this thing on? Today's episode is brought to you by me, Louis Polak. Thanks for tuning in. My cousin Scott makes a surprise appearance. Avid sports fan and debater says that tennis is in its worst condition that he's ever seen it. Listen in to find out more on this week's episode of Challenging the Call. Cool. Party. Oh, that's that's going to be a joy. Yeah. Oh, my dad's texting. Costco has home loans? Question mark. Do they? It's a question for another time. You don't need to hide. Okay. It's not, it's really not that serious. But. All 20 of your listeners expect professionalism. Every time. Challenging the call, Lewis Polak, sitting here uh, with my my fam, Scott Cromie, the Chrome. <laughs> uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about some tennis here, and uh, how we think it could be better. Uh, it's we're just in a sweat lodge here on a Sunday. Turn that AC up real, real low, real low. <laughs> Get like icebox at the lowest here. it will go. It's like eighty five. It's like ninety five degrees in, yeah. in Los Angeles. You yeah. see heat waves coming off the asphalt. Ninety five and and a uh, hundred and twenty five percent humidity, which never happens here. Are we in Florida? Oh, it sounds like hell. <laughs> which I don't imagine is all that different from Florida this time of year. Dude, Texas is no joke right now, dude. Oh, I can it's, only imagine. It's like <laughs> cooking egg on the sidewalk out there. Yeah. Have you ever played in conditions like that? Um, where you just sweat is rolling down your back, and you're oh just, yeah, you're like oh, I don't yeah. even want to be out here anymore. Like you lose the competitive spirit because the heat has stripped it from you. Or do, or do, does it increase it? Are you like I just I'm, I need to end this guy because I need water yeah well i don't know you like get into this zone almost where like you're just you don't even realize how much water you're actually consuming like if you run out of water like yeah you're you're dead like you're just sweating through shirts like every every two games you're just sweating through shirts i mean hawaii was it, it never got like into the 90s but it was always around 80 Pretty much everywhere that I played, and like probably seventy plus percent humidity all the time. Um, I when I was a ball kid actually in Hawaii, I I watched Justine Enna, who is an amazing player on the female side, get heat stroke. 
straight Ew. up in a final of uh, a challenger tournament and had to retire in that final because they they <laughs> scheduled it at 1 p.m. and all the stadiums are like a bowl. So you're basically sitting in an oven. That's tough. And well, let's talk about ways that we can... I mean, that's one way that, you know, obviously the game could improve. But last week, Lewis and I were talking about the uh, this podcast that Bill Simmons did with John McEnroe and they were discussing... Mm-hmm. Ways to uh, to improve the game, um, so let's just jump right into that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I've talked about this a bit with the whole next gen uh, sort of marketing and tournament setup that they're doing to experiment with new rules. I think Johnny Mac talked about those some of those rules in this podcast, such as uh, not having the doubles alleys as part of the when a singles match is happening and it was for an interesting reason because of having on-court seating such as they have at uh, yeah like NBA NBA games yeah like NBA games I mean it's I think you know it's I have a love-hate relationship with tennis because I loved playing tennis growing up I hate the condition the sport is in now of like it's Mm. we don't really have I mean even with champions like Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, like yeah, because it's still a you can know nothing about football and nothing about the NBA or very little about what's actually going on, right? And you could tune in and you know to the NBA championship or the NBA finals or playoffs or the NFL playoffs, and you can see a clear like oh yeah, like look at like whoever wins this is the best in the world, right? But it's, I feel like tennis suffers from, you know, something similar to, to soccer. And, and, and also with NASCAR. Like, it's, you know, there's all these championship cups. And yeah. it's like, who, who's the best? Like, I, I mean, there's a ranking system. I understand that. Like, you yeah. know, but it's a... It's oh, disjointed, for yeah. sure. You need, like, a straight, like, okay, you know, I mean, at least with NASCAR, you have you know, this point system, which I'm sure is the same as tennis. Like you earn points or like, how do they do rankings? Yeah. You earn points based on how you do in, in different levels of tournaments. So basically if you win a, a major, like mm-hmm. one of the four slams, if you win it, you get 2000 points versus oh, okay. if you win a, this is for the men's side. I, I think the female side is much different. Mm-hmm. But, well, not much different, but definitely different of, uh, for the men, like, depending on the level of the tournament, basically, there's, like, 250 series, 500 series, 1,000 series. Oh, so each championship's it, worth different points? Yeah, there's different So, points. like, Wimbledon's worth 2, more points? Okay. Yeah. So then, a, like, a, uh, so a Champions Cup, right, like the U.S. Open, right, those are the 2,000-point ones, those are the big points? Correct. So then smaller champ like the you know, the Palm Springs Yeah, that's a one thousand level. So oh, you'd have okay. to win two of those to equal winning one grand slam. But see, nobody talks about that. Like yeah. they don't like I, I've been playing tennis since I was a kid, and this is the first time I've ever heard of that. Yeah. Like I mean, it's the same in NASCAR. Like I don't know how the point system works in NASCAR. Yeah. I, I but I don't care. You know, it's like in football, you're like, oh, okay, I a basic understanding of this of like 
if I win this game, my record looks like this, and that places me ranked, you know, according to everybody else. Um, when you have a league like that, it's a lot easier to kind of have this growing climax to the year-end championship versus mm-hmm. tennis. It's so, an association, not a league. Yeah, it's, you know, they're spons- they sponsor tournaments. They're not in control of everything for the most part. And, like, they control the ranking system, but it's not – there's just so many tournaments that happen throughout the year – that you can't focus on all of them. And so you end up kind of picking your things and then, you know, it leads up to, I guess, this year end championship. So which, this is new. So this is what you're saying that they, they're they instituting something new now or that they're talking what, about it? What's new is the next gen finals, which is trying to introduce fans to young. They're trying to bring in younger fans basically mm. because the demographics of tennis is aging. Yeah. Nobody's nobody young is getting interested in the sports because they don't really have a connection to any of these players. So they're trying to promote these younger guys who are in the top 100 mm-hmm. but aren't winning Wimbledon, aren't making it to the finals. Yeah, but if, if they're going to get younger, I mean, I think that you got to do similar approach that the NBA took where, you know, it's like people weren't really caring like, you know, it wasn't a hot sport yet. It's like when a sport gets hot, it, it starts to attract a lot of talent, right? Because, you know, kids start to get into it. And when kids get into it, then they start to play, right? And like mm-hmm. the longer an athlete spends training and refining their ability in a sport, the better show they're going to give you, right? Like Federer puts on a show, yeah. right? Like that's what you want to see. You want to see a human being do something that you're just like, I, I don't know how they how? did that, right? Yeah. You know, like the between the leg shots, like all that stuff, yeah. right? You got to spend thousands of hours, right? Like training to do stuff like that. And the only way that you, you're going to do it is if you get younger. And I think, you know, if if you cut the alleys, right? On the court, yeah. Um, on the, the doubles court, alleys. The doubles alleys. You free up a lot of court space to have, you know, on court seating. And like, you know, it's the farther you get away from tennis the more, you know, I don't want to say boring, but like it's a, the game speeds up the closer you are to it. So the closer you are to it, it's why in the NFL, they have like the over the field cameras, right? That like swing in and stuff yeah. like that. Because if they were just, if the camera was way up here, it's a, it's the hockey syndrome, right? Of yeah. like, what the hell is going on on the ice? I can't see, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but I think the same thing with tennis is like, you know, if you had on court seating, you're going to attract a lot of celebrities, and you're going to attract like public figures and stuff like that because it is really cool to see. And they're going to be visible to the camera. Yeah. That's the important thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like to the television audience. There's yeah. a oh, lot shit. of celebrities like go to tennis matches, but they're all up in the stands, up in boxes, you know, hid away. And sure, they like will cut to them, but there's not this culture of like, oh, they're right there. Yeah, they're right there. They're right there. The cameras can like cut in on them. And all of a sudden, tennis becomes like more cool because you're seeing these, you know, stars that are associated that you know are, are there. Like I think Jay Z was at Wimbledon, or you know, they had. Yeah. I know they had celebrities there, and sometimes they'll show them in the box. But even the celebrities in the box, like most of the time, they'll show them. They're not like super keyed in on the game. They're kind of like talking with each other, or like you know, it's more reserved. Yeah. I mean, the audience is always more reserved in tennis, and that's something that absolutely needs to change. I think we need to. We need to go in on, we need to stop 
hiding the fact that this is a blood sport, like that this is a physical uh, activity that's like, and a mental strain on mm -hmm. both the players and really get, yeah, get closer to the game, get more access. It needs to get more raw. And like yeah. the problem is... Like I want to see the blisters when the guy takes off his shoes. Like that's nasty, but yeah. it's still like, oh dang, like this is real. Like You think think about like when, when tennis was at its height, you had Johnny Mack, right? Arguing, yelling, cursing, right? Like he, you had a guy that, you know, was really like just, he wasn't quiet. Raw emotion. Yeah, raw emotion, right? And, you know, it's like when Borg left the sport, it killed him. Like he didn't mm. have a true competitor. Like he, and, and like because he lost some of that fire, it hurt tennis, right? Then you look at like the next rise in tennis. Andre Agassi, right? You have like, you know, another guy that's very yeah. raw and emotional and like, you know, and, and yelling and, and in your a face. story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now, and then to an extent. Unapologetic uh, type of figures. Yeah. And then you could draw the parallel with golf. Like golf was at its peak when you had Tiger Woods, who wasn't like a raw emotional person, but like he was doing things that like golf wasn't used to seeing, right? Like he was driving the ball way farther than anybody else was right yeah. like and that's what people tuned in to see because they just wanted to see you know this like this this phenom doing something that nobody else is doing right well we're, we're not we don't have that really with tennis right now it's everybody is playing I, on I mean I disagree to a degree because we have these the best players that we've ever seen I think the problem is that the media isn't portraying it in the right way mm -hmm. they're very backed off on like getting into these people's lives and really like getting up close like you're saying like on the court i want the camera to be on the court when Federer's hitting the you know a crazy backhand or mm -hmm. forehand or and when when nadal's like grunting and like just the sweat that's coming off like it's just we're trying to make it's too polished. Yeah. It's way too polished. It needs to be more raw. Get the camera down there on the court. Like, you know, and, and on that note, we were talking about, you know, also removing like blind judges, right? Of like, it's a, you know, it's, you want there to be a human element in this and like, you know, conflict. having it. Yeah. Conflict, right? Like have there be challenges, right? Of like, you know, of, of it. I mean, that's how it was playing when, you know, when you're growing up, right? Like it's, you know, yeah. there's, there's an accountability factor and, you know, it's like, you can have challenges that maybe have like, you know, maybe somebody challenges and like the challenge is overruled and like maybe there's a point deduction or something like that or like, you know, or, or some some kind of risk reward penalty. Right now it's just a computer system of like that was in, that was out, right? Gotcha. Yeah, I, it would be very interesting as far as ha being able to draw a parallel to how most people play the sport. Mm -hmm. Like when every every like club player or high school player or most college players, you don't have linesmen because mm -hmm. you, you, you need like 10 people to take one court. It's just not feasible. It's not financially feasible. So I think now, now that we have this technology where you can check if a ball is in or out. Yeah. Instant I, replay. Instant replay. I think that's an amazing idea is put the accountability on the players to call the balls, which is, gonna create conflict yeah like regardless but then you still you still want to maintain this 
like you want to maintain the what am I trying to say um, like the accuracy or the you know you want the best player to win right yeah and so you need you need the calls to be accurate because you don't want somebody winning off of a an incorrect call mm-hmm. but now that basically every professional tournament has this system that can call a ball in or out instantly pretty much yeah i uh, mean and it's if you if you put the the onus right on the players you're going to get more like controversial moments right where you're going to have like mm. a you know a, it's it's like tennis is such a head game and yeah. we've like with the camera pulled so far back like we've lost that like yeah. and and it's like you could treat it the same way that golf does. Like, what was the last big golf story that we heard other than Tiger Woods, you know, being found in his car, passed out on, on drugs, right? It was yeah. when Lexi Thompson was given that four-stroke penalty because she marked her scorecard incorrectly, right? Mm. Because, you know, she should have taken a penalty for this, you know, because she dropped the ball in the wrong place, blah, 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 right? She would have won the tournament. That was the last time golf was really in the news. Like, yeah. why? Because it was controversial, because... You know, she like golf has an honor system and, you know, while she did make a mistake, but she was penalized for it and that penalty cost her the tournament. Right. It was like Hmm. it'd be the same. It'd be something similar in tennis where, you know, you want there to be a risk risk versus reward thing of like, you know, of, okay, this person, you know, uh, like maybe they they called it or they didn't challenge and that like caused them to lose or they did challenge and it was clearly something they shouldn't have challenged you know what i mean yeah or somebody calls a ball out that clearly wasn't out then they they should be penalized for doing that mm-hmm. right like the penalty should be on the person calling the ball versus the person challenging i think okay so if i'm playing you know i'm only going to call a ball out if i'm sure uh there's a lot of people that if it's close to the line that's out to them yeah and i think that would it would definitely introduce another element into the sport of just like, okay, so what if you have a guy who's just blatantly calling things incorrectly? Is that, if you do that multiple times, does that give you a penalty? Mm-hmm. I mean, it would have to, right? Cause you can't just call like if an ace, if somebody serves an ace and you call it out and somebody challenges it, I mean, that the, I guess the controversy would come if, if there was in the middle of a point where somebody was ahead in the rally, they hit a ball that's close to the line and then basically had a setup to hit a winner, but that person calls the ball out. Mm-hmm. That's a scenario where, okay, so now the other player who basically was going to win the point mm-hmm. right before that person called it out, if he challenges, he or she challenges, and the ball's in... At this point in time, you would replay the point because the person got their racket on it. Unless it was a clean winner, you would replay that point, mm. which is unfair from a player's perspective of, yeah. oh, no, I had a I had a put away shot versus now I have to replay. Now that whole point restarts. Mm. So you'd have to have some sort of uh, disincentive for somebody to call a ball out. That's the only kind of issue I can see with that type of system. Well, and maybe maybe you got to balance it out by like, okay, let's say I call a ball out, right? You challenge and it wasn't out, right? So now we got to replay this point. 
But what I would suggest is, is like, so there's a big difference between your first serve and second serve, right? right? So I would say, if I call it out, you challenge, and uh, we have to replay the point, then I would say that, you know, the, uh, well, no, because we wouldn't, there's no way to say, you know, it's like, let's say that I called it out and I was the one serving, serving, right? So no, you couldn't do that. But I was just thinking that it might be, Convenient get like to, an extra first serve. Yeah, or an extra first serve. That I mean, that yeah. it's not a huge competitive advantage, but it is a competitive advantage of something to consider. Of like being like, you know, let's say that you you go for the ace on the first shot and it like tips the net, and you're like, oh shit! All right, well now I can't. I just got to go with what I know is going to get in, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a much easier serve to return. Or maybe you maybe you add a, a second first serve or a third serve or whatever that you could use at any point. Oh, that would be that would be crazy. <laughs> People would lose their minds. <laughs> but it would be sick. I mean, I just uh, it, but I do think they need to eliminate lets. Absolutely, they need to. So oh, really? Let, yeah. That's when it hits the top of the net and still yeah. bounces in, though, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a replay, right now. If you hit a, a serve and it tips the net and goes into the service box, you replay that serve. I think you should just play that serve because if you're playing a point and it tips the net and goes over, that's you win that point. Yeah. So why most of it, the time? So yeah. why is the serve different? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and there's a lot of times where the balls will barely touch the top of the net, and this electronic sensor will go off when it didn't even affect the uh, affect the flight of the path of the ball. But it's just the sensors. Why is that rule there? I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't know what the history of that rule is. I guess they figured it was. It was a it was a cheap way to win a point, but it also is a cheap way to win a point during the rally. I think they were just trying to minimize. They wanted it to be a skill based thing versus luck. Oh yeah. And so that kind of minimizes. Well, then would a, you ju- would you just treat it as? Uh... Like, if it goes in, or, I mean, I don't know, if you're trying to avoid that, right, then wouldn't you just say, well, if it tips the net and goes in, it's still a let, but it's not a redo serve. You need to now do your second serve. That's not fair either, though. Why? You hit the net. But the ball went over. Yeah, but you hit the net. You're not allowed to hit the net. Well, you are during a rally. That's true. I, I don't know. That's it's a debate for sure uh, because they actually had to eliminate lets in college because people were cheating and calling lets on balls that were clearly not lets just so that they forced the their opponent to hit another first mm. serve. Um, so in college, how is it? You, there's no lets on serves. You play the point. If the and ball does tips, it, the does net, it work well in college? Yeah. I mean, it makes it much easier to officiate, and sure, you get some balls that dribble over the net, and that sucks, but most of the time, they're returnable, and in fact, the returner usually has the advantage in those cases because the ball's kind of... Lost velocity. It's lost velocity. It's kind of just sitting there. Uh, You know, the server didn't plan to hit that, and so it's usually an opportunity to attack because now the ball's short, 
Sure, yeah. if you're standing way back, you have to run up and try to do something with it. Well, but. And, and that goes back to what we were talking about of like how kind of tennis has lost its way. Of like it's they're trying so hard to avoid any margin of error in like how the game is won to just like a this game was won completely based on this guy was better than this other guy and and you know and he won. He outperformed him or he just mentally, you know, beat him down, right? Yeah. That's not sports. Sports, mm. there's room for human error. Shit happens. Sometimes you shoot the ball and it shouldn't go in the basket. <laughs> but somehow it does. It like, you know, bounces here and trickles and toilet bowls around and finally goes in. Or, it, you know, it does the opposite. Like when Patrick Ewing, you know, went to do his, his final layup in, in the uh, the NBA finals. That yeah. ball should have gone in. But, you know, it went ba-ding, ba-ding, out, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, in tennis, cool, it hit, it hit the top of the net and maybe didn't, like, go where the server wanted it to go, but that's that's the game. Yeah, that's what makes it interesting is you yeah. don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. And, and so to try to control, and it slows the sport down, too, yeah. because, okay, the server dinks the net, it goes over, replay, okay, he's got to bounce the ball 75 mm-hmm. times, serves it, what if he lets again? Yeah. Okay. Start over. It's just like, dude, we need to speed this up. We gotta yeah. go. The game needs. I mean, all sports can benefit greatly. Like we've seen this in both basketball and football. Like when the sports got faster, right? In football, when they like when the no huddle West Coast offense got really popular, right? Yeah. Why did it get popular? Because it caused situations with mis- mismatched football of like of just like you know oh shoot like the defense isn't really ready. Maybe they do something wrong. Maybe the offense isn't really ready. They do something wrong, and there's an interception, right? Like, yeah. you see that that kind of that break in the plan, right? Yeah. And, and those are the exciting moments. It's a forced situation, basically. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and tennis somehow has just really gotten away from that. Of like, yeah. it's just too, and and maybe this comes from me being somewhat of an outsider, but like when I'm watching a tennis match, a, a good example is like, you know, I'll. I'll we use uh, who Federer beat in, in uh, Wimbledon recently? Chillage. Okay. So they're playing, and it's just, you know, cross-court, back and forth, like Federer hitting it to the same spot five times in a row, and then, boom, opposite side of the court, and, like, he takes the point. I don't know what the hell's going on. Like, I'm sitting there being like, why is he hitting it to the same spot that the guy's oh. at? Like, yeah. Like, why wouldn't I just like, oh, cool, I'm going to just hear, like, I'm going to yeah, make you run. Yeah, if you're as good as Federer is, and he can pretty much place the ball wherever yeah. he wants. Why isn't he just, I'm going to hit it here, then I'm going to make you run. Like, what? I'm always sitting there wondering, why isn't the player making the other guy run across the court every single time? Just trying to, like, tire him out. And so often, you'll just see, like, this back and forth cross court for, like, four strokes, and then... You know, then all of a sudden one, you know, to the far left side of the court and then, you know, and maybe it's a put away shot. Maybe it's not. But like it's in those moments. I'm like, I don't understand. Why aren't they making each other move more? And maybe it's because I don't understand the strategy of the game on. Well, obviously, I don't, (laughs) uh, you know, from 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 their level. But I think adding an aspect of risk reward that any player of any sport could understand of being like, Oh man, it it tipped the net or like, Oh, like this thing happened and this turn of unfortunate events that happened based on circumstances that I can relate to. 
you know? Does yeah, make sense? no, it, it definitely makes sense. And I think you're, you're absolutely right when you're watching a point. Not everyone's going to understand that, you know, you're hitting cross court to try to draw an error because that's your highest percentage shot uh, versus down the line where the court is shorter, the net is higher. Mm. Like there's, there's very good logical reasons for doing that. Um, but again, you don't know it because the camera's in the rafters. Like you don't understand that, oh, you can't even see the baseline when you're looking down the line because the net's actually covering the baseline. Versus cross court, there's a there's a visible dip in the net in mm. the middle. So if you're hitting, you know, your top spin shot over the net in the middle where it's the lowest, cross court where it's the farthest distance essentially. Yeah. And because tennis is such a precise sport, like you're basically either daring that person to try to hit that down the line shot, mm-hmm. at which point you're hoping that they miss. Because it's a low, they'll hit it in the net or hit it out because they need to, you know, it's it's just a lower percent shot in general. Mm-hmm. Or they, you know, the ball take, like on grass, there's a strategy where you basically are hitting close to the baseline where the, the grass is beat up and you're hoping it's going to take a bad bounce. Yeah. And but, just mess somebody up. And that's all stuff that like, it's, I'm sure that it's like as a casual tennis observer, those are things that, you know, you hope the announcers like highlight. Yeah. And sometimes they do, but like most of the time they don't. Yeah. Most of the time they don't. Most of the time they're trying to talk about, you know, kind of story. They're trying to like add some kind of narrative element. But you know, for me, like in baseball, like as boring as baseball is, I understand pitching, right? Like I can sit there and be like, Oh, like this guy, like this pitcher just threw two balls. Right. He didn't throw those by accident. Yeah. He threw them because he was trying to draw strikes, right? Yeah. I can understand the rock, paper, scissors competitive element that's going on where like the pitcher's like, I'm going to try and throw this so it looks like a strike and you swing at it when the ball is going to end up in a place where there's no way you're going to hit it, right? Yeah. I can understand what's going on. In football, I can understand what's going on. In, in basketball, you can understand like, you know, oh, okay, like this is, this is kind of the general strategy. In tennis – you know, it, like, like I said, I mean, I played with you growing up and like yeah. some of the, like, I don't understand, you know, the, the technical side of it. I mean, on sports, it's great on sports science when they break it down and they're just like, you know, oh, well, like this NFL team is running like this particular offensive package, like, you know, way more because their percentage, their completion percentage is X, you know, percent higher, right? Like yeah. all that stuff's great, but like in the moment, like that's not what makes the, the game great. What makes I mean it makes it great after a scene an awesome play and having somebody break it down as yeah. to like why it was an awesome play. Yeah, I, I think it, that's definitely a breakdown as far as the commentators being open to because they're all most of them are ex tennis players and they understand all this, but they just need to understand that most other people don't understand it. I think they're going into it assuming you have a certain level of tennis knowledge versus like when I watch somebody like Andy Roddick commentate, who's, you know, congrats to him. He just got um, inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Um, And he'll sit down and be like, I he'll he'll break down a pattern basically of, okay, I I assume in this situation, this player is going to try to play this pattern because 
that's their strength. Like that's that play where they have this percentage chance of completing it. Like he's going to serve out wide to hopefully get this certain response. Yeah. And then execute this shot. But like most commentators don't talk about that. They just talk about like, oh, I saw Federer in the locker room. He seemed like he was happy today. Yeah. And there's no, (laughs) like, you know that there is some strategy in tennis. Obviously that there is, right? In any sport there is. Some sports, it's very easy to just see it and pick up on it or see it over the course of a game of being like, oh, you know, like every time, like obviously there's this deficiency that the offense is really like placating, right? Uh, And, you know, with tennis though, it's just the commentators aren't really discussing it. um, And it's just, it's difficult to see and and really understand like as as a casual viewer. Yeah, no, I I completely understand. And I think it, has a lot to do with access and this idea that this game needs to look more polished. It needs to be this gentleman's sport and, you know, everyone needs to wear all white. And I love Wimbledon. I do. I think the history is amazing. And, you know, I did a whole episode on Wimbledon. They have amazing traditions. They have Rufus the Hawk, which is my all-time best Yeah, but, like, what, what was the deal? So, at Wimbledon, right? Yeah. What What is this shit I saw online with this, the, the doubles female match where they bring this fat dude down <laughs> off the stands and they pause the match, like, the match hoping, stops. I was hoping you were going to ask about this because a lot of people have actually been asking me about this. So, at Wimbledon, they, they have, like, they have an invitational tournament that happens alongside the real tournament. Okay. So what that was, was like a bunch of retired professional tennis players playing what is essentially an exhibition match. Okay. Because they, you know, they, they spend so much time, money, effort, uh, you know, building these grass courts, making them pristine and ready for this tournament that there's a certain length of time in which these courts are playable. Mm. And so they they basically try to utilize them as much as possible. And I think this is also something that, you know, has historic, um, you know, this has happened historically. Somebody introduced this whole idea of inviting past players to come and play. And like, it's something for spectators to watch who can't get into the main stand. But how does a fat dude (laughs) off the stands get into a match here? So uh, I didn't watch that match. But from what I understand, watching the video, they the players are very relaxed during these matches, and I think one of the one of the players yelled out like, "What serve should I hit on this shot?" And this guy yelled out, "What?" Or he, I think she said, "Should I hit it as serve out wide or down the middle?" And this guy yelled, "Body serve." Okay. And and she was just like. All right, you hit it, and then just hand, and the guy just was like, "There's okay. no rules against this." No, because it's not it's not an officially sanctioned tournament. There's no prize money on the line. Uh, it's, it's a bunch just, of old retired tennis players yeah, just like, playing tennis. Exactly, but it's you know there's pickup game. It's a pick. It, essentially, that's what it is. It's a pickup game, and so Kim Kleisters, yeah. who actually also got inducted to the Hall of Fame, was playing and. Um, I think they were just having a good time and, uh, <laughs> but, but at the same time, because it's Wimbledon, the fat dude had to put on white clothes exactly. in order to execute the serve. This is crazy. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. I, I don't know. I've never. It's like, there's no rules, but there's rules. 
Well, I don't know if that was... I think it's just a joke amongst the players. Like, okay. I don't think... There there wasn't, like, an official that came out and was like, sir, you need to, like, move oh, okay. the court. It was just like a, well, if you're going to play a point, like, you, you have to be wearing all white because that's the rule at Wimbledon. And I only have women's and, clothing. And it was so a women's to, doubles you match. You put on a white skirt. Yeah. That's, like, <laughs> ten sizes too small for you. Somehow he fit into it and put a top on, and then... It looked I, like a baby beluga whale. <laughs> It was awful. It was it was really I had no idea that this was gonna blow up into such a like cultural phenomenon that everybody was like I feel like every sports channel was showing this every ten minutes or something. Because it's a mockery of the because the the problem is is that it's No one understood that it's Yeah, because it's, it's like it's, a fake it, match. Yeah, because and it's what Wimbledon, which is like this very polished mm-hmm. thing. And what you're seeing is tennis players in all white on a Wimbledon court, and you just educated me. I didn't know any of that. Like, I saw this and was like, tennis is a joke. (laughs) Tennis is a joke now. Like, it used to be tight. Something happened fundamentally, and I I don't know what. It's why I wanted to come over here and talk about this. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, that, I think you're, you're one in, you know, a million people that also feel the same way mm-hmm. and uh you know it it's it's sad that that's what needs to happen for the sport to get attention sure it's funny i laughed but is it uh, the right attention exactly so how do we kind of turn this into something positive for the sport like we're, talk- we're talking about that when this should be a podcast talking about you know, if if he wasn't already minted as a goat, as the goat, right? Federer, yeah, was was this Wimbledon the like? Did that put it over the top? Like that should be the conversation that a lot of people are having of like of honoring like what what might be the greatest tennis player of all time. Instead, the vast majority of media outlets are covering yeah. this fat slob, you know, that's yelling, you know, serve body, yeah. <laughs> In wearing a white skirt on, yeah. you know, in, in the league, well, not the league, the association's like most pristine, you know, it's yeah. like a Super Bowl. It's, yeah, it is. It, it really is. It's it's the most sought after major tournament in the world, you know. When you're a tennis player, you dream of playing there. Uh, you dream of playing on grass, period. Um, so, I don't know. It's it's good, I guess, if, you know, there's this comedy element to it. I think it's it speaks to how you know, how much fun the players are having. But at the same point, yeah, you're right. It's not prefaced as this was a, you know, a a pickup game versus an actual Wimbledon sanctioned match. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Tennis has a lot of things to, to look, to look towards, to, to try to grow its popularity, get a younger audience. Well, and on on that point, I know, I know we're running low on time, but like, it's coming back to what we were talking about with like the whole strategy thing and like putting that more front and center. It's I look I can look at uh, one prime example uh, that we can see in recent sports, right? In the rise of MMA and the fall of boxing, right? Now, if you know anything about boxing, there's a lot of strategy in boxing. Like it's the reason why you have your coach there with you. Yeah. Ringside is because he's yelling out numbers for combinations, right? Combinations that you practice. 
of gotcha. like, you know, one, two, three, you know, or yeah. like, you know, go 45, right? Which is like, you know exactly what that is and you've been training to do it. He, he's calling plays, right? Like in the same way that the NFL is, right? Yeah. Which is like a, I'm going to, you know, uh, hit, I'm going to do two jabs with my left and then, you know, swing, swing with my, my, uh, my haymaker, right? They're all yeah. combinations. Yeah. And, and so it's like, that's what your coach is doing. Now, the commentators aren't talking about that at all. No. They're sitting there just being like, oh, you know, such and such is looking really roughed up or, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, what's his name? Oh, connected with the right hook, right? Now look at MMA, right? Now, we've seen boxing slowly die because nobody's talking about the strategy. People don't understand, like, what's actually going on. They just think that, oh, it's two guys going into a ring. One guy who's a better fighter is going to win. Yeah. That's not bigger, what it is. The bigger, stronger guy is going to no, and it's because it's never that way. It's always yeah. like the there one guy is going to be, you know, he's going to have a better strategy, or you know, his coach is going to yell out the right combination at the right time, and it's going to connect and it's going to win him the game, right? Yeah. Um, or sorry, win win him the match. Um, then you look at MMA, which has had this steady rise of popularity. What do the commentators talk about there? Oh yeah, now he's going to take him to the ground. And, you know, he's got his ground game versus, like, this guy, you know, is a really strong kickboxer. And, like, you know, he's using his legs to keep this guy at a distance, right? Like, yeah. it's, they're talking about all these aspects of the game that, as a casual viewer, I don't know about. But I'm now learning and I'm starting to understand the competitive edge. Because every, every sporting event breaks down to ability and then strategy, right? Like, mm. it's a... And sometimes strategy can outweigh ability, right? It's it's a it's but it, it really is a rock or ec an execution too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's like there's a rock paper scissors element to it, and you know if tennis doesn't embrace that and start talking about it and like you know and start being being more raw in like discussing like what's actually going on on the court, like you know it's yeah. no, nobody's going to care because nobody will understand. In the same way, yeah. that boxing has slowly died. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think it needs to be more front-loaded, too. Of, And it goes towards the speed as well, is, like, these commentators are sitting there for four-plus hours or whatever, you know, on some of these matches. It's hard to keep it fresh, like, throughout that entire time. So uh, if we can do stuff to speed the sport up, I think it'll help everybody involved um, because it's a little bit easier for commentators to do research on two fighters going mm -hmm. into a ring that that fight is probably the only one that's happening that month. So you have these commentators, that's all they're focused on is what do these two fighters bring to the table? Yeah. And they got to talk for 10 minutes. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like a boxing match is, you know, maybe a couple hours. Yeah. Maybe no, a boxing match is like, I mean, I think each round is, is uh, what? 60 seconds. 60. That seems short. Checking. Maybe 90 seconds? Maybe it's 90 seconds. Um, yeah, while you're looking that up, it's... Yeah, it, it, it has to be something where... That's 15 three-minute rounds. That's it. Oh, three minutes. Oh, no, no, that's previous timing. So now it's 14 one-minute interval. Oh, no, no, that's what it is. Yeah, that's 14, right. 14, 60 seconds. No, it's 15 three-minute rounds, and then there's one minute in between each round. Oh, okay. So it's like total 70 to 75 minutes. Cool. Yeah, and, and that's even a predictable timetable versus tennis where it can be over in an hour. Or it can go on for three to five to 
days. Yeah. That's crazy. Which is insane. And, you know, I, I think we need to look at our scoring as far as the whole ad deuce thing. Um, that's something that needs to be worked on. The time in between points needs to be worked on. Just all this stuff to speed it up. And they, they're trying to they're trying to implement all these IBM like you know keys to the match and like but they're so broad it's like mm-hmm. you know he needs to get 60 percent of first serves in okay well when i'm watching that i don't know if he's hitting that or not you know yeah. it's like they need to be bringing that up of like well the, the nfl does that and so does the nba but like what they'll do is they'll in the pre-game you know talk they'll talk about the keys to win and then at different intervals throughout the game They'll go down to like somebody on the field and, you know, and who, who is then, you know, touching base on some of this stuff that was discussed at the beginning as to like how it's playing out actually in the game. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it's is tennis doing that. Like, are they I mean, that's the they, format that we know works. Yeah, they I mean, they do it somewhat in between sets, but a lot of it's just like they throw the stats up on the screen and they're kind of like, oh, as you can see. You know, he's winning a lot of second serve points, and that's why he won the set. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's not that interesting, I feel like. It needs to be played in throughout the set of like, okay, this is where he is right now. Um, you know, let's see where he is after this game and like stuff like that versus like something's already concluded. And then you're going in and being like, oh, why did that happen? Versus mm-hmm. like, this is what he needs to do right now. He's at, you know he's he's hitting these these markers, or uh, or she's hitting these markers, and that's why you know the scoreline is what it is. I think or, it just it, it breaks down to tennis seems very insulated in the sense of like the cameras pulled back really far, right? Yeah, like there's I I'm not really knowing exactly like what strategy is being played out on the court. Like it's a lot I, of the coaching debate too. Do we have it like boxing where the coach is accessible at all times, but we can un, like we get to hear what he's saying or she's saying? Yeah. Um, which is that's a huge debate in the sport right now, and I, I kind of lean towards having the coach. Yeah, whatever you can do to, to add, make it more interesting. Yeah, right? because we're we're sitting right here now. About you like, have no access to what that person is thinking or mm-hmm. what is even happening. Yeah, you're just watching two guys go at it, and if you have no experience in the sport, you're listening to commentators talking about like broad statistics, which yeah. you know you could care, you might not care. Most people aren't going to really care. Yeah. Um, you know, it's bring cameras in, get celebrities on the court, like get more personal. Like, yeah, I think there's so much to be learned from the NFL in that way. Of we have these shows like Hard Knocks and like now with the whole LA Rams like having access to all or nothing show i'm watching a show right now called last chance you which is about like community college football and it's like they just have access to like teams and athletes and stuff that tennis just doesn't have because it's you know it's all individual sport and so we don't get to follow federer around for a month and see what he does every single day yeah, how he operate, like what his training regime is. Like, why why isn't there a bigger like you know? I mean, one of the big stories, and this is this comes back to like how tennis just doesn't feel personal. Is like, I didn't see a single story this year about how 
Djokovic went from being just an absolute monster to, to a shell. Like, what happened? Yeah. I mean, he's still a great player, but like, yeah. we're talking about like, you know, oh my God, is Djokovic about to be the next? Is he going to eclipse Federer? Yeah. That and was then, definitely in the discussion. He, and then what happened? You know, he just had a year of kind of subpar just, performance. Yeah, I mean, they talk about it a lot in the tennis community. I don't think it's being talked about in the sports community in it's, general. Yeah, and it's not being talked about in the sports community in general because, like, tennis doesn't have a lot of, like, hype behind it, right? Yeah. Whereas it could if it just allowed itself to – if it allowed people in, in more. Yeah. Right? Like, the NBA – they benefited so much this year. Um, it's like the NFL is really, really strict with footage, right? It's like yeah. you can't do anything with NFL footage unless you're licensed. The NBA was straight up like, do whatever you want. You want to cut together a highlight reel and throw it on YouTube? We don't care. Do it, nice. right? Because yeah. like that was their that was their their focus was like the more we can allow fans and people access to our sport, right? Putting people on floor seats, like yeah, you know. Uh, letting people do whatever they want with the footage, the more we are promoting the sport, right? Yeah. And the more we're like allowing people a window into the sport. It just feels like tennis is so rigid that they just won't let that in. They're just like, no, this is just how it is. Yeah. And they're like, well, we need to respect the athletes, like privacy and all this stuff with how they operate. And You're an athlete. You don't get to have a <laughs> private life. Like yeah. if, you're, if you're making in excess of – if you're making millions of dollars a year and you have a brand that's a, like connected to your name. Yeah. You, no, you don't get that anymore. Yeah. That's it. You, that's, that's what you sold. Like you sold out. That's what it, what it is. You yeah. sold out, right? Like, yeah. Anyway. Well, we're – yeah, we're getting – We're definitely getting running along. Um, well, dude, thanks for stopping by. Um, it's been an interesting discussion. We'll see what happens in the years to come. Uh, I definitely say look out for the next gen finals. We're going to see a lot of uh, potential rule changes to hopefully speed up the sport. No doubles alleys. Uh, obviously, the line judges will still be there, uh, but we'll have a shot clock on the court, which will be interesting um, to, to make sure that they're regulating the time. No ad scoring. And so it sounds like this is a good topic to revisit after, you know, yeah. we see some test case footage. Exactly. See how it plays out. Um, I don't know how they're going to position the cameras or how close they're going to allow the spectators. Uh, but we'll, we'll just have to see and find out. Um, cool. Thanks um, for having me down, man. Yeah, dude. Happy to sit here and argue with you why your sport is in shambles any day of the week. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... Uh, <laughs> I still think it's greatest of all time. Again, I want to uh, give a shout out to Andy Roddick, Kim Kleisters, um, also Vic Braden being inducted into the uh, International Tennis Hall of Fame. Um, such worthy candidates, amazing people in general, and, and also their contributions to the sport will be um, you know, remembered for, for years and years to come. And um, yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to tell your friends, family, coworkers. Uh, we're trying to build this listenership up. Hit me up on uh, the gram, Twitter, and hashtag the Chromie if you made it this far. Signing off, challenging the call. <laughs>